Opportunity is not equally distributed. To every black entrepreneur listening, I want to make sure you have the tools and resources you need to grab your next opportunity. That's why I'm telling you about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of six million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and an extended free Shopify trial. Shopify has made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says... The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Chart your own path for business success with the one million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at Shopify.com slash black print all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash black print. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. One day I just told him, like, after he brought me to this convention where it was like all these lawyers and they were telling me, every all the lawyers were saying, don't go to law school. Don't make the same mistake we did. I said, oh, I won't. Trust me. <laughs> so uh, after that, I was like, I want to be a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so powerful to declare what it is you want to do to the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people want to keep it secret because they don't want to be discouraged and all that. But there's a power to actually speaking up and saying, this is what I want to become. My name is Detavio Samuels and welcome to The Black Print, where I sit with the innovators, disruptors, and change makers, laying the groundwork for the next generation of cultural leaders. This is The Black Print. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. Um, one, you're the first woman that I've gotten a chance to talk to. And so you're about to set the bar. I know how black women do, so you're <laughs> going to set a new bar for everybody to catch up to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also excited because, um, from my perspective, you are the entrepreneur who has built the social layer for black culture and black conversation. And mm-hmm. I think that is such an incredible feat. Um, and then last, and definitely not least, um, you have a story that is so inspirational. I think a lot of times, um, Tragedy can happen, and a lot mm. of people allow tragedy to be their story. Yeah. From my research, what I've seen in your stories, you've absolutely turned tragedy into triumph. Mm. And so just looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> All right, so start from the top. I want you to describe Angie. Who is Angie the woman today? You, you could talk about Angie as the founder of X, Y, and Z. She's a woman of God. Like, How do you describe and identify yourself? 
Um, so you said woman of God. I think that I have to start with that because God is really like the head of my life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and it's funny when you talk about like the tra- the uh, tragedy and all those things, that's when I, you know, really developed that, you know, God as the head of my life mm-hmm. because he's taken me through so many, he's brought me out of so many situations that like, yeah, you know, I yeah. owe him everything, right? Yeah. So that's number one. Um, second, I, I, I would like to say that I am a culture uh, savant. You guys, you guys said that, right? I love culture. <laughs> my sister looks at me and she's like, what? You're on YouTube, TikTok. I'm, it's like, I keep up with the millennials. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm on everything. Cause I just love to naturally. see how, yeah, I, I just that. love culture. Um, and creative. And I would say, um, philanthropic. Cause that's mm. a big part of my life. So, mm-hmm. and a businesswoman, I guess. And a businesswoman yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So now that we have who you are today, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning and kind of walk our way forward. All right. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first question is kind of talk me through a little bit of your childhood. Where did you grow up? Right. I'm a first generation American born. My father's Costa Rican born in Jamaica. Oh, okay. I think I know you come from an immigrant family. So just talk me a little yeah. bit about your upbringing. Yeah. You know, I come from an immigrant family. My, my parents were from Nigeria. And uh, my mom met my dad. She got pregnant really quickly. Mm. And they came to America and had um, five children, (laughs) all girls. And um, I grew up in a home with a lot of domestic violence. Mm. Um, My mother was a nurse, and she was the breadwinner. And my father couldn't keep a job. Like, he would be a realtor and then lose his job or whatever. He would always Mm. be unemployed. And so over time, especially in the Nigerian culture, um, a woman kind of like leading the family was something that was very offensive to him. Mm. And so it caused a lot of strife and issues in the household. You know what I mean? Um, And one day when I was six years old, we, my, I remember my mom was waiting to get her hair braided and um, she was, you know, she was getting her hair braided. So, you know, hair braiding takes all night. And we were like, oh my God, she had just bought us new clothes for school the next morning. We were like, where's our mom? Like, we want to see her. And I remember, and this is the craziest thing. Mm. We were watching NYPD Blue and it was an episode where a man had killed his wife. Mm. And so my dad was just like fuming. He was up all night. Like, where's this lady? Like, you know, he used to accuse her of cheating a lot. So um, I remember we went to sleep mm. and the police woke us up that morning. What? And our apartment was, um, looked like a massacre. Get out. You saw all, you, were, you witnessed all of it. You saw all of it. No. So the thing was, we were asleep. So this is the first moment where I'll say God showed himself in my life. Talk about it. Because my dad that night has snapped. Mm. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. things that he did were just illogical. Mm-hmm. And somehow we stayed asleep. You know, my older sister witnessed it and she tried to wake us up, but none of us would wake up. And wow. that was so unusual because, you know, whenever they would argue, it would be loud. Everybody in the building heard mm-hmm. it, but for some reason we stayed asleep. And, um, but the police did wake us up. Mm-hmm. And when they woke us up, the the entire apartment was covered in blood and, At that time, we didn't know how to conceptualize death. Mm. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You're six years old. Yeah, because I, I didn't think my mom could die. I'm <laughs> yes. like, my, my beautiful mom, she yeah, can't superhuman. die. superhuman. At that age, you think your parents are superheroes. Yeah, but um, I remember we went to, they took us to the police station. They asked us a bunch of questions. We spilled the tea because we were like, yeah, they argue every day key mm. over keys, everything. You know what I mean? And um, the lady said, well, I, I'm sorry to tell you, your mom is deceased. Mm. And we started busting up laughing because we were like, what does that mean? Mm. We didn't, we were kids. We yeah, didn't know what yeah. the word deceased mean and when they said that she had passed away um it just the every like it was crazy i yeah. can't even i can't even imagine yeah. okay i'm not gonna sit in that i'm gonna ask you one question to see if we can get something from it which is a lot of us end up going through grief right mm -hmm. so i lost my father february of 2020 mm -hmm. um have pro been processing that processing that um over the last few years how and when did you ultimately like grieve how did you ever and did you ever forgive your father oh that's a good question yes i do forgive my father mm -hmm. i forgave my father very early on some of my sisters still hate him mm -hmm. but i forgave him early on because <sighs> was it for you was it for him why did you forgive him for both? I think I've always been a very forgiving person. Mm -hmm. And I think my forgiveness comes from the fact that I need a lot of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, as I got older, I was like, you know, if God didn't forgive me the way he had for the things I've done, Facts. where would I be? Facts. So I extend that. But I do, I did forgive him for myself because, you know, it's just good to let that go. And I know he didn't, I, I know he wasn't in his right state of mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? My dad was like, you know, using and all that stuff. Like, I, I know he wasn't in the right state of mind. Like mm -hmm. he was doing alcohol, alcohol, drugs, whatever. All you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I forgave him for that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So what happens to you? So at this point in time, your mother's no longer around. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they don't give you to your father. What happens to you and your sisters? So, um, we went to a, I guess you could call it an orphanage. It's where kids don't have, it's like an institution for children called CII in LA. Um, and then we waited till a, our foster mother was able to adopt, I mean, not adopt us, take us in. It was all five of us, so it took a long time. And from there, we were just in different foster homes. You know mm. what I mean? So, you know. Okay, so ultimately, mm -hmm. um, you're in foster care, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, we're always trying to figure out our way out. Mm -hmm. Was college one of your ways that you got out of your situation? Absolutely. Like, I was waiting till, the, till I turned 18. You know what I mean? You were, like, counting uh, down the days. Yeah, but I used to be bad. Like, you know, going through that, um, growing up, I was I used to beat up all the boys. Okay. Because the boys would mess with me, and so I just beat them. And everybody knew me you for being bullying them? I, I was bullying the bullies, like, the, the, the big boys. Like, okay. I would be beat them up, you know what I mean? And like getting suspended <laughs> from school. But one, something happened to me and I will credit this for mm. the change in my life was um, one time there was this white woman named Kim, Kimberly Fama mm. and she took us in and she lived in Bel Air. Mm. And so I went from living in the hood to living in Bel Air and I was able to see a different, she opened my eyes to a different life. Absolutely. And I only stayed with her for like a couple years, but it, it definitely changed the trajectory. So I was like, yeah, I want to go to college. Yeah. I want to do these things. You know what I mean? I love that. Like one of my favorite quotes is exposure to the next level breeds an uh, intolerance for your current situation. Absolutely. Right? And the same thing happened to me. I was definitely, you know, grew up in the city, in the hood mm -hmm. and uh, my mother, 
moved us to the suburbs after I was jumped by a couple of Crips. And like my, my life was never the same. It was mm. like, I no longer had to worry about defending myself. I no longer had to worry about right. survival. My neighbors were lawyers and doctors, mm. you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just a whole different thing. And once you see that life, it's like, you don't really want to go back. It's, <laughs> you don't it's go so backwards. important. You got to yeah. show people something different. Amen. You know what I mean? So, so what, where'd you end up going to college? Loyola Marymount University. Okay. And mm. what was your major? Okay. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, I started off as an accounting major, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish that degree. <laughs> I was on year three. I was like, I need something else um, that I could finish real quick. It was human resources, so okay. I, went, I went to human resources. Yeah. Okay, so then did, did you, when you went to college, did you have a dream? Like, did you have a dream to become something specific when you went into college? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Yes. So my dream was a dream somebody gave me. Mm. My original dream since I was young was to write. And I wanted to be, I wanted to have Emmys, Grammys, Oscar, Tony, you know what I mean? I wanted that whole thing. So I knew I wanted to write. Okay. But when I went to college, my a cousin was an accountant and he do, he wanted me to be able to take care of my sister. So he was like, you need to be an accountant. So I created this fake dream of becoming an accountant. I, if my dream plan, panned out, I would have been living in Marina Del Rey okay. in some condo. Uh, as an accountant, you know what I mean? Just, you know, living my life. That was my dream at first. So you go into college with the dream of being a writer. Yeah. You end up looking at being an accounting major. Yes. You end up finishing as a human resources major, right? So, right. Which I also love. I, I think your, our 20s are for exploration. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I meet some of these young folks who are like 22 years old and they're like, I want to do this. It's like, no, in your 20s, explore. So yeah. you explored a little bit. Where did you land? First job out of college, what were you doing? I was trying to, I went back to trying to be an accountant. Okay. So I started working at this motorcycle shop. I needed two years of CPA supervision. You okay. know, you know how they do that. Yep. So, um, and I was taking my um, CPA test and all that. So, um, I was making $13 an hour as a bookkeeper studying, like working under a, a CPA. Yeah. And, and did you love it? Oh, I hated it. Okay. You hated it. I hated every, I, I was like drowning in depression. You have, there's a, there's a thread in your story where it seems like you've been really good about honoring your heart and your own truth, right? And so yeah. even in this moment, you're in an accounting saying like, this didn't feel right. How long did you sit in that job that didn't feel right? So I feel bad because while I was at that job, I was working on my real passion. Okay, so, so you're writing. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I can't do this. I knew I could not be an accountant. I hate accounting. Like, you know, I see the benefits of studying it now, but like, I hated accounting. And so, um... I decided to, uh, it was, it was one time when my mentor, I, I wanted to change to become a lawyer, mm. but I bombed the LSAT. Like it was just like, I was just trying to pick at straws, anything that can make you money. Um, and then one day I just told him like, 
after he brought me to this convention where it was like all these lawyers and they were telling me every all the lawyers were saying don't go to law school don't make the same mistake we did I said oh I won't trust me <laughs> so uh, after that I was like I want to be a writer mm -hmm. you know and it's so powerful to declare what it is you want to do to the world. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people want to keep it secret because they don't want to be discouraged and all that. But there's a power to actually speaking up and saying, this is what I want to become. Because literally that same mentor that I told that to connected me with Jordana Spiro, mm -hmm. who reached out to me to do a script because he she heard that I wanted to be a writer. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So you have to speak it because then people can connect you with people that align with that purpose you okay know? we're going to jump into this script but just to double to double tap into what you just said mm -hmm. um that you have to speak your truth and your vision to the world yeah. um i think there's an alchemist quote that like once you uh communicate with the world the universe conspires to help you to make it happen yeah a lot of times people will say that you also have to be careful with who you tell it to right because some people aren't ready for your dream are you one of the people who believe no like no once you have that vision shout it from the mountaintops because you want to get all the help that you can or do you believe that there's a core group or a circle of people who you can trust your vision with, but you want to protect it from everybody else? I feel like everybody's vision is going to get tested. That's the road to success. That's the road to greatness. You have to accept that part. If you can get over people telling you that it's not going to work, because when I first started, I had a lot of people telling me that I wasn't going to be mm. anything. You know mm. what I mean? I remember I had a friend that was close to me, and I called her the third day we started to shave him. I'm like, we have 3,500 followers, which for me was, uh, you know, I had just started it three days massive. ago. I'm like, that's massive. And she was like, my old dirty party promoter has three, you know, 3,500 followers. And like, on the court, like over the course of my journey, I can't tell you how many times I've been rejected, devalued, um, you know, uh, made to feel small about what I do. Mm. But I realize it's a rites of passage. If you have enough passion and purpose and drive, you will overcome those moments where people are saying this to you. So to say, I'm going to protect it um, and not, you know, protect who I tell, you never know. The person you think you shouldn't tell is the person that might help you. Yeah. I just think you have to develop the ability to strive even when people tell you you won't do nothing. You know I, what I mean? I like you have that. to, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. So let's talk about this writing opportunity. Yeah. What was the writing opportunity and where did it take you anywhere? So I thought I was going to get rich or whatever. You <laughs> know what I mean? We, we, we did, we did a script and then we sent it into Sundance and they, they took the script. Mm -hmm. So I, here I am. I'm in my $13 hour job and I'm like, Oh my God, I got a script at Sundance. Like it was big. So during tax season, I went to go to Sundance to mm -hmm. do the screenwriters lab. Cause it, got, it made it to the screenwriters lab. And it was one of the, best experiences of my life. Mm. Um, Michael Goldenberg, Quentin Tarantino, all these people were there and we were having these like really intimate conversations. They break, I say they break you down to build you up because by, by the first, end of the, the end of the like first three days, you you think that you should never step foot in Hollywood with a and <laughs> never write. Never pick up a pen again. <laughs> yeah, you think yeah. you should just run and just, they, they make you feel like you are nothing and then they build you up with the right mm. kind of tools and understanding of what this is. Mm -hmm. So it was great. Um, and then we sold it to Samuel Golden. It had a theatrical release in a um, VOD. It 
It was on Netflix and Beautiful. all that. You know what I mean? It was a great movie, yeah. So. And so does your writing career take off from here? Is this like, boom, you said I was excited to get it. I'm at Sundance. I got First the right off, coaching. We sold this bad boy. Does your, do we, do we uh, start? I, don't you wish that's how life of turned course. out? Don't you wish that's <laughs> how life do. turned out? First of all, let me tell you about the writing career, right? Because okay. I'm in the midst of it, so it's hard to talk about it when you're in the midst. Because some people, mm -hmm. you know, it's embarrassing. You want to wait till you, tr you win, then come back. Um, the Shade Room was successful, right? That's what took off. So I created The Shade Room two months, two months later. It was supposed to be a side hustle, and it took off for mm. me. But however, my original dream was to write, screenwrite. So once The Shade Room took off, I went back. I got to deal with HBO oh, <laughs> to write. I got to deal with HBO to write with Ed Burns, who did um, uh, The Wire. Oh, you know of course, what I mean? Of course. And, um, and I got fired. You did? Why? <laughs> They didn't, here's the thing. I feel like because my first script did well, I underestimated what it took mm. to be. I thought I was some prodigy. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah, it's just something that I have. I didn't realize how hard it was. You got to put in the work and you mm -hmm. have to appreciate it. But I didn't learn my lesson then. I got I, I got another deal with Universal Pictures. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a cross-genre horror uh, comedy. And I didn't know much about horror or comedy. <laughs> but I just, I know how to pitch really good ideas. So I took that whole, you know, I wrote it and and they were like, look, we need another writer on this. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hold on. You know, on top of that, I've been in, in and out of the studios over and over and over again. You know what I mean? And so um, for me, the writing, I feel like I'm still in the wilderness of that. Mm. Like I'm still pushing and, and I know that writing is something that I have deep inside me, but my journey hasn't been as easy as it was with the shade room and um yeah just to be honest with you yeah um i want to jump into the shade room but first you you said you got fired and you laughed um which i love because i don't think being fired is a bad thing i think yeah. that um the relationship between a business and an employee is a partnership mm -hmm. and a lot of partnerships don't work right yeah sometimes it's you sometimes it's them and so yeah. separating ties is not always the worst thing employees fire their employers yeah. all of the time mm -hmm. how did you feel about being fired at that time were you sad were you depressed? What were you, you like, mean was I sad? Yeah. I told my sister, and this is going to sound real weird. I don't know why I wanted her to do this. I told my sister, you know them um, wheelbarrow things? Yeah. I said, go get a wheelbarrow, put me in it, and just drag me to the cemetery because I'm gone. Like, I was like, this, this, it was, it was so painful mm. because I'm like, this is my dream. And when you have a studio saying, we need somebody with more experience, we need a more experienced writer, then and you begin to feel like it's not what you thought. Mm -hmm. Like you're not as good you're as you good thought. Yeah. I had to go through that, but I, I like to feel my emotions. So I was like, let me feel this. Let me cry. I cried. I got angry. I said, oh, I'm going to write a, a, another script. And it when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. See the tool, you know what I mean? I went through all of those 
emotions until I realized, okay, well, what am I learning from this situation? Mm. One, I complained the whole time. Mm. I had the shade room and then I had HBO and I was complaining the whole time. When it came to the universal deal, I was complaining the whole time. Mm. Like, uh, I don't got, you know, like I just, it was because it was so, so much, much work. work. I had to yeah. do research. I had to do classes. I, had, I took a, you know what I mean? Like it was all kind of craziness. Um, so I learned, I said, one, you weren't appreciative of the opportunity. Mm. And what I know is that if you're, if God gives you an opportunity and you're not appreciative, he will find someone who is. Mm -hmm. Guess what? The next writer, I bet you they appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. The second thing was never underestimate the work that it takes to do a craft. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at a singer, you like, dang, I could never do that. Or an actor. I think actors are crazy. I'm like, how do you get into, you know, somebody else? You know what I mean? Yeah. So are screenwriters. It, it takes a lot. You don't just get in one character. You have to get in 10, 10, everybody, you know, all the characters. And so it just taught me a lot. Next opportunity, I'm going to take it seriously, you know? I love so, that. I love yeah. that. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right, so you're writing, and that's like your passion that you're chasing. Mm -hmm. But you have developed the shade room yeah. as an idea that you're working on on the side, your side hustle, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had the pleasure of running or leading the team that ran Bossip for several years. And I used mm -hmm. to say Bossip was a team that kind of built and won like the dot-com layer, mm -hmm. but you were the one that came in and built the social layer. Was, was the shade room always designed to be social first from the beginning? No, it, I mean, it became that because... I didn't know how to build a website. Okay. So, so when I was like trying to do it, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to build a website. And I was listening to a motivational podcast. Mm. So I was like, okay, let me just start now. Cause that's just, let me just do it, you mm. know? And so I started on Instagram and then that's when it started going crazy. And we just had to build backwards. So now we have a .com, but we just built backwards. Copy. We built the whole company backwards. Copy, yeah. copy. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting that that's how it all ended up starting. Did you develop a business plan for the shade room? Is there a business Absolutely. plan somewhere? First of all, I didn't have a business plan. Okay. I didn't even have an LLC until like six months later okay. when the New York Times picked it up. I was like, oh, let me get my LLC. Okay. Uh, I didn't even have... Um, an accountant until like eight months in mm -hmm. or, or no until I started making money which was like eight you know mm -hmm. eight months in um I had nothing all I knew was that I had a name mm -hmm. and I did get the name registered under a, um it trademarked I forgot what it was. No, it wasn't a. Tr it, it was something. I forgot mm -hmm. what I got. The DBA oh, doing yeah. business. Yeah, 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 I did that. Um, but like, and I just opened up the Instagram, and that was it. I didn't even know what I was doing. So tell me what your first year of not knowing what you were doing looked like. What happened with the audience? Was the audience growing? Were you making mm -hmm. money? Was the culture responding? What did that first year when you had no clue what you were doing? What did it look like? So what it looked like was day one. I started to blog and 
when I saw one person comment or when I did hashtags and reached other people, I was like, oh, this is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So I began to find ways to reach people. I would go into other celebrities' comments that I was reporting on, like, if you want to know what the tea about, da 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 you know, come to the chain room, you know? So I would... Um, I don't know, I got so addicted. So I would do it 24 hours. And at that time, a lot of sites would come and they would come and, and probably release 10 stories in the morning, maybe a little bit in the afternoon, but to be oh, done. Right, right. I was all day until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I'm still posting, you know? So um, the beginning, it felt really good because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm building something. And early, early on, I knew it was going to be something. Mm, Why? What, because... Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we had like the first week, we had about ten thousand followers. That's you know what I mean. And um, Tammy Roman shouted it out, and then a couple other people did. But I knew we were going to have something when I saw that the stories we posted were impacting the news cycle. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's when I was like, "Oh, we we." I saw it. I saw it very clearly. You I didn't know. You weren't just covering the news. You were creating news. When you say like you were impacting the news cycle. Yeah, because we would talk about people that normal. People normally wouldn't. wouldn't be talked about like the Instagram influential people and then we would break a story or talk about that and sometimes we would break stories you gotcha. know what I mean so it was it was um when I would see the bigger sites doing that same story I'm like oh okay <laughs> you know I'm like we are, we're impacting things um I didn't know it would be this big mm. I thought it would be like a hundred thousand at the end of the year followers, and then I, I you know what I mean. That's yeah. that was my yeah. idea of big at the time. If it so was a hundred thousand, how many did you finish the year with? Do you remember? Oh, a million. That's phenomenal. A million yeah. that, that first year. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And you did a strategy that I very much believe in, which is kind of hijacking audience from other people. But you must have done it in a way like I've never seen before, because a million followers in a year is unheard of, without paid. Right, mm -hmm. all organic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was all organic. And the other thing that you keep saying is I, so I'm also wondering how big the team was. Was it just you? So for the first eight months, it was just me. Um, and, you know, I got to a place where I was broken down. I was not mm -hmm. like, I would, when I say working, I would be on the freeway. And if I got an alert that's, you know, for a DM from somebody that was a tip, I would pull over on the side of the freeway. <laughs> you see, the thing is, you have to put that in in the beginning. News moves so fast. Yeah. And no, but in any business, mm. in anything that you want to do, if you don't, that's why I say, don't do anything for money. Do it because you love it. Because if you love it, nobody's going to outwork you. That's exactly right. You know what I'm saying? Say because you like time. doing this Absolutely. in your leisure time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I... Um I loved it. So it was nothing for me it to spend like 20. Work. Yeah, it didn't feel like work. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it was just so hype. But I got to a place of um, burnout. Mm. And people were reaching out to me. And so I started hiring people. And that was the best thing. Obviously, that's the best thing you could ever do for yourself yeah. is to delegate and hire people because, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like as a leader, you got to have vision and focus on that. But I hire people. And um, right now I have a team of like 45. We've, we did a lot of hiring this year. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but they definitely helped. There are different voices. They came in. I mean, they definitely helped. That's fantastic. And contributed to the whole thing, yeah. So you've built this really amazing brand. Mm -hmm. um, are you at the top of this mountaintop? Is it time to start looking for a new mountaintop, or, or, is, or is there more to climb on the, on the journey that you're on? There's more to climb. So I have a vision, an overall vision of what I see um, with the Shade Room, and it's and if I said it now, people would be like, girl, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Bye. Right. But at the end of the day, I have this vision and I know that it's going to come to pass. And this is not a peak for me. This is um, 
a transitional moment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, of what the shade room will look like in the future, but it, it's not a peak, you know? Um, no, not yet. No, it's not even close to a peak. Last yeah. question. Um, one of the reasons why I love working for Sean Combs is because he inspires us to dream. Mm-hmm. And so I might show up with a dream that I think is big, and he mm-hmm. will tell me that it's not even... 10% close, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where do you get this great ability to dream big? You're like, if I told you my dream, y'all wouldn't even believe it. Like, where do you get that? Um... Oh, you're going to take us to church now. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to go because that's the answer. Let's do Let it. Let me tell you something. Before, so I don't know if I've ever said this, but my... Um, me coming to Jesus, and, mm. I, and I think a lot of people don't want to mention Jesus in this time because they're like, oh, well, you know, the Christians, they symbolize this or whatever, you know, hatred, whatever, you know, they yeah, want to yeah, say. Yeah. But Jesus, let's talk about him. Uh, before <laughs> I knew Jesus, I didn't have a good self-image. I didn't have any... You, I told you, my biggest dream was to be an accountant. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So I never saw myself in the future being this, mm. nor did I see anything extremely big for myself. Mm. It was when I began to have a relationship with Jesus and that he can give dreams mm. and visions. I, I, over the course of the shade room and just the work that I've done, like I've, these are things that like me and my team, we laugh about it all the time because they know it's not a regular work environment. Okay. I'm like, y'all, I had a dream this, this morning and they were like, okay. Because they know over time those dreams have come to come to pass. But, like, I think that in order, you know, like, it's like this table right here, mm-hmm. right? If this table doesn't know its creator, it will never know what it was created for. Sure. You get what I'm saying? 100%. So it can, it can, it wouldn't know what it's created for until you put, it, you keep putting glasses on it. And it's like, why do people keep putting food plates and glasses That's on right. me? That's you know right. what I'm saying? Like, That's I must right. be a table. That's right. But your creator can tell you exactly what you were made for. Absolutely. And so me connecting with that um, and having that relationship, it's been revealed to me who I am, Mm -hmm. which has been the most humbling thing because I was forced to see myself greater than I ever thought I could ever be. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he told me, oh, no. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. You're this. While you think you're this, yeah. you're actually this. This is these are the qualities about you. And I'm telling you, I still struggle with coming into mm-hmm. um, agreement with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I so relate to what you're saying, um, but I want to close by saying these kind of these two things. One, um, I firmly believe in everything that you're saying, that you can always see the purpose of a thing is always reflected in the designer's intent, mm-hmm. right? A car has four wheels and, and four mm-hmm. doors for re- it's designed to transport yeah. you somewhere, right? Same thing with all of us, but you have to look to the designer, right? Yes. To figure out what the intent is. Um, the second thing I want to say as we close is um, I love where you just went, mm-hmm. and I would love to be able to pick this conversation up on another day and maybe we just have a faith combo. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I love it.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're a body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest. Go on vacation. Or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You win? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I.com. Are you ready to get started? Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.